Welcome to Money and Taxes from BB to XYZ. I'm Regina Neenan, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Jason Spessiner, Certified Financial Planner and Enrolled Agent. And Jason, on our last episode, we talked about fitness and finance. And I have to admit that my favorite fun work perk at FP Foco is our gym reimbursement, being able to work that into my budget with a little help from the firm. And we just took a look back at some of our work perks because we're hiring a paraplanner. But we also have fall open enrollment just around the corner. I'm gearing up for some insurance planning consultations over the next couple of months as those open for folks with um, autumn open enrollments. Yeah, that's right. We are coming right around the corner to uh, enrollment season. So I know you will be busy. My favorite work perk here at Financial Planning Fort Collins, maybe this is a plug for our paraplanner opening, but it's the work where and when you're comfortable and ready to be productive. I really enjoy that part of our workplace. And I think it does feed some productivity when you're able to take breaks when you need to and work in locations that are not necessarily dependent on a, a desk. So it's it's a good deal. Yeah, I've always loved that flexibility. And uh, I've also seen some really interesting work perks out there. But Jason, I'll let you go first. What are some of the most interesting or uh, or cool work perks that you've seen? You know, I think the, the one that stands out to me that I see, a, I don't say a lot, but I see more often is uh, fertility treatments for couples that are having a hard time having children. That's a really nice benefit on the medical plan when it is available. Sometimes it's not, but I think that's a really, just a thoughtful way for somebody who maybe wants to start a family, but is uh, running into issues to at least have a, have a second chance at it for sure. Yeah. And that can be huge with the expense of fertility treatments and then similar adoption, another really expensive life change that can be assisted with some employee benefits. Absolutely. And then we've heard of, of course, you know, the the Silicon Valley style beverage bars and, and taco stands and all of those sort of neat uh, little things, which I'm sure aren't that unusual if you're listening to this and thinking, well, I have all of that at my workplace and that that's not necessarily anything but lunch. That still sounds like a really fun uh, environment. Yeah, delicious work perks. Um, but then there are some more serious ones too, like getting your health insurance covered or having a retirement plan, maybe with some employer matching that free money and then disability insurance. Yeah. And you have a lot of choices to make. So when you talk about your open enrollment season and that sort of decision-making coming up, there's usually going to be option A, B, C, some cross choices, whether you insure yourself, your family, your children, and so on. And so there's just often a a lot of decision-making to do in in a fairly compressed amount of time. Right. And so today we're going to get into how you can choose and really make the most of those employee benefits that are part of your package. But before we get into kind of our generation by generation breakdown, let's talk some basics. And uh, I'll kick this off because Usually the best place to start is with your employer paid freebies, the items in your employee benefits package that your employer pays for in full. So if they're free to you, why not take advantage, right? Yeah, of course. Just like I always say, the best money is free money. It's the same thing here. These are essentially free money offerings, whether or not they actually are tangible dollars in your pocket or whether they're simply paying for a specific piece of technology or paying for a specific insurance coverage, it's still free money. For sure. And then beyond those freebies, there are some that you're going to pay for, that you're going to have taken right out of your paycheck. So of course, you're not going to see those dollars leave unless you drill down and look at each of the line items on your pay stub. But That brings in the fact that it's really important for you to balance those. See what you actually need, what those premiums are going to be on a monthly or per paycheck basis, and really understand whether you would even use them. 
Some examples of things that you may have available to you that you may not use are accidental death and dismemberment. The life insurance portion of that tends to be great, but I tend not to see a lot of those accidental deaths and dismemberments, which is, of course, a good thing. So something to think about whether you actually need it. Another is critical illness. Of course, critical illness coverage covers specific illnesses, and those can range from cancer to heart disease to specific things like stroke. Great coverage to have if those run in your family or if you're predisposed to any of those illnesses. Um, But if not, you might want to think twice about purchasing critical illness coverage. Um, And last but not least, one that we often see folks have because it just sounds like a great idea is legal coverage. But if you already have your estate plans or other documents in place that are really going to affect your life that could be of consequence to you, you might not need that legal coverage. And one interesting thing I note about legal coverage years ago, I actually had legal coverage through my wife's employer. And I remember looking at all of the different ways that you could use it and you know more often than not what you ended up with was the really the core offerings tended to be things where if you got in trouble with the law you would maybe need the legal protection otherwise you know an estate plan was something you could maybe do with that legal insurance and there was a fairly limited set of other things you could do so it just sort of goes to show and i've also heard one of the things about some of the attorneys in these networks is sometimes they don't want to do anything beyond you know writing a letter or drafting a will they won't look to go to trial with something or don't want to have a big long litigious fight with someone and and so that may sort of dial down the the benefit that you have there. All the more reason to make sure you have your liability coverage in place on your property and casualty insurance. But coming back to our employee benefits here, Jason, let's get into our baby boomers because they are right now ranging between the ages of 59 and 77. So many of them are close to that traditional retirement age, which of course, when you retire and leave your employer, that usually means no more employee benefits. And so this may be the one reason why you are working. Maybe you had a sort of more serious career-oriented job and decided to step down into a less responsibility role, but were able to keep some some work perks, right? We're able to keep some insurances in place, especially, for example, if you're pre-Medicare. Um, maybe you like the idea of having medical insurance available to you as an option through an employer-sponsored plan. Yeah, that's a huge one. I know we talked about that a lot on our last episode. But one kind of interesting piece here is that if you're still working, you don't have to switch to Medicare at age 65. So you might want to do a little analysis if you're coming up on that milestone and you're still working to see whether your employer allows you to stay on their coverage if it's better than what Medicare could offer you. Really nail down that timing so that it works best for you and your desired outcomes. And one thing to keep in mind as it relates to that is the size of your employer will actually matter too as far as how Medicare gets involved if you do enroll for Medicare. So there's a lot of different considerations there that Medicare decision-making is a big deal. And so making sure that you're really eye on the ball is pretty darn important working or not as a baby boomer. And another big one, just because we mentioned Medicare age, we know that 65 is disability coverage. Some disability policies won't cover you after age 65. So be sure to take a look at that if you're coming up on that milestone and your employee benefits open enrollment is coming up this fall, even next spring, just so you can time that so it makes the most sense. Don't be paying for coverage that you don't need. Anecdotally, because you're so close to a retirement age at that point, paying you for disability beyond 65 seems like maybe it's a little bit much. And so that's a different consideration that's involved there as well. The other thing that happens here is when you do retire, there are folks out there that have employers that still sponsor 
retiree benefits. Uh, you see this a lot in public service organizations, you know, quasi-governmental or governmental agencies. You'll see often some sort of retiree health plan in Colorado, for example, Para sponsors a retiree healthcare option. And there are others out there, even private employers that, that will still have a retiree plan. So really understanding what kind of work perks become retiree perks might have that more serious career oriented job paying dividends even beyond your retirement. Yeah, Jason, and you mentioned that, you know, as you get closer to that traditional retirement age, there might not be as much to insure. And that's certainly true with your income and insuring that with disability coverage. Another side of that is life insurance, something that you should definitely keep, especially a free benefit if that's available to you through your employer, because it does get more difficult to purchase that individual policy. You have less of a life to insure, as blunt as that is, the older you get. And Jason, maybe you can talk us through the tax side of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Remember, you get up to $50,000 of death benefit. The premium for that is tax-free to you, right, if your employer pays that. If your employer is paying for premiums that are coverage in excess of that, then you might end up with some phantom income, essentially. That is income that is wages to you, but it's going to pay that insurance premium. So you actually never see that money in your bank account. And of course, with the cost of insurance increasing as you age, the older you are, the more income you might have for this insurance that frankly, you may not need. Absolutely. And going back to just reiterate this, make sure you take advantage of everything that you can that's employer paid through the age that you retire at. Of course, if you have some additional you know, retiree benefits, hop on those, but understand them really well. For example, with health, make sure you understand what your retiree benefits are covering, how Medicare plays a role, how those can work together, and uh, what's available to you through those. One that's kind of on the side here, Jason, I'm going to let you jump back in with this too, is equity compensation. What should retirees be thinking about if they have equity compensation and uh, what are some of the tax implications there? Well, this could be a major part of your retirement plan. Let's start with that. I mean, if you work for a company that has had a serious run-up in stock price, recently, and maybe that is the reason why you are looking at retirement, you are now talking about divesting from that company in a way that supports your expense needs and supports your spending and your goals, but also doing that in a tax-efficient way. And so there are a lot of different strategies in this sort of fork in the road where you want to meet back on the same trail at some point where you have a good divestiture strategy that you're not overweight in one single stock, that you have a good tax strategy so you're not getting just absolutely killed in taxes by selling a lot of highly appreciated stock. And so there is quite a bit to explore there. And so it becomes a very serious part of the retirement plan. And so just to point out, consider both of those avenues and, you know, if you need to, it's it's time to engage a professional to make sure that you are covering your bases with that because there could be, I, I have seen scenarios where literally millions of dollars of difference between how you divest from your company and how you execute a tax strategy versus just oh, let's just go start selling stock. Definitely a big key with equity comp for sure. I know that's really big for our Gen X folks too. And looking at their age range of 43 to 58, as we've said before, they're in a lot of those higher earning years and may have more opportunities to plan in advance to really get ahead and start preparing for financial independence or retirement now so that they can make the most of that. But how can they make the most of their employee benefits while they're still working? Well, and it depends, of course, on the benefits, but I'll just start with the last part first. 
first here for our, our Gen Xers, and that is with equity comp, knowing the type of equity comp that you have and understanding, for example, if it's an ISO, when is a good opportunity to exercise those incentive stock options? If you receive restricted stock, not restricted stock units, but just plain restricted stock, should you be making 83B elections? So we start getting into these tax nuances that really can make a big difference when you actually go to utilize that money in the future, taking advantage of those perks and those those options that are available to you now, especially again, in your higher earning years where you are getting more and more of this equity competence that's available to you. It's, it's again, an impactful thing that will make a big difference in your long-term planning. Also be sure to, you know, stay active when you're thinking about these things. Equity comp is certainly not something to put on the back burner and say, oh, I won't worry about it now. I'll think about that, you know, when I actually need to rely on, on some of that compensation. Other things you should be actively thinking about now, especially if you have a family, including children involved, life insurance, your group life insurance. We've already talked about the basic. Take it, of course. Then we also get into the supplemental. Usually it's a little bit cheaper to get on a group insurance plan and obtain more coverage that way. But of course, that's going to end when you retire for most people. So if you don't have the option to continue coverage at retirement, especially if you're retiring early, this might be a good opportunity to do some comparison. See what you could get through an individual life insurance quote. Compare that to the premiums you would pay for supplemental life insurance through your group policy and uh, really nail down the target amount, whether that is to cover the kid's education, to pay off the mortgage, to help your family adjust to life without you. Make sure all those pieces are in place. So this really goes from checking a box on your employee benefits to a bunch of other decisions that lead up to actually making that decision. And Gen X, you're definitely at that crossover, if you will, age for that life insurance question, because that's where you're starting to become older than the remainder of the workforce, the folks on that group plan. And so you may be benefiting from a younger risk pool there. And then the same thing is I think about health insurance and I think about you probably have college age children or right around college age children that, you know, they're going to school. They are still a part of your health insurance plan. Of course, the Affordable Care Act allowing you to carry them on your plan through age 26. This gives you the opportunity to maintain that perk that allows them to get a stronger footing in the world. And remember, health insurance being that one insurance you should never go without, especially young people doing uh, more adventurous things and whatnot. It's a great benefit to, to maintain for your family. Yeah. And it's another one of those that a lot of questions go into it because, of course, you're planning for more people than just you if your family's involved. And with disability insurance, you're planning for a few more years of high income and you definitely want to ensure that. That's right. So so that if you were to become disabled, weren't able to have that income coming in, you'd be able to rely on this policy. And there's an important tax piece of this. Yeah, there's there's two important things that stand out to me about disability. The first one is how your premiums are paid and whether or not they are tax deductible when you pay them through payroll. If they are tax deductible for you, what that means is when you receive benefits, those benefits are going to be taxable to you. If you pay those premiums after tax, Nice thing on the benefit side is that those benefits are then tax-free. And the other thing I should point out about disability for our Gen Xers is, again, high earning years, this may be the period of time where a supplemental individual disability policy, in addition to your group policy, makes a heck of a lot of sense because you are insuring big income years. And again, disability is sort of an unknown risk. It's possible if you couldn't work to carry yourself through the retirement you're planning on, having that supplemental insurance in place could be a huge, huge difference maker. Right. So when you're looking at that in your employee benefits guide, check out if there is a cap 
Oftentimes, employers will cap the amount of disability income that you can receive in a given month. And it might make sense, as Jason said, to stack an individual policy on that to cover and protect more of your income. Before we move on to millennials, because a lot of this, I think, has a through line into this next generation, we have to, of course, talk about retirement plans, employer-sponsored retirement plans for our Gen Xers, because with those higher incomes, they have the ability to stash more away and find some tax benefits there. Yeah, and there's also going to be some changes coming. Secure 2.0 Act has changed the landscape with these employer-sponsored retirement plans especially for our high income earners. And so what you are going to start seeing is more balances being forced into Roth accounts, for example. And so that's going to change some of the calculus, but that's not necessarily a bad thing dependent on when you're doing this, right? There is not as much of a tax bite now on a relative basis. Coincidentally, the IRS has actually delayed implementation of the Roth catch-up contributions that were going to be forced on those with wages of more than $145,000 in the prior year. Those have got moved back to the tax year after 20. 2026. So keep in mind, what's interesting about that is that is the tax year where tax rates are going to go up if Congress does nothing. So I think there is a little bit too much of a coincidence there that that is when that implementation has been delayed to. They want you to pay a little bit more on those dollars. So sometimes... Roth isn't so bad right now in these low tax rate years. Yeah, it might make between now and that change in 2026 the perfect time to start working with a financial planner. Shameless plug for us here to uh, to really get in the door and start doing this planning ahead of time before you hit 2026 and say, oh gosh, what do I do now? Do the financial planning calculus for you. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And so as we already mentioned, a lot of what applies to Gen X is really going to apply to Gen Y. One thing to kind of set aside here is the kids aspect. If you are a dink like me, don't have children, your basic life insurance might just be enough. It's a good chance to have that talk with your partner. If you are in a relationship and ask them, you know, if something happened to me, what would you need as far as my life insurance? And then nail down an amount that way to decide whether you need to take that step to purchase the supplemental or purchase an individual plan. Or if you're a silk like me, see, I just made this up, single income, lots of kids, uh, you, you may have a big, big life insurance need. If you have a mortgage, if you have goals that you want to make sure are covered and paid for, if you have an income to provide that would not exist if you were not alive, life insurance becomes a very critical part of this puzzle. And that's not to say that there are not other important insurances involved. This may be, for millennials, may be the sort of trifecta of insurance that you want to have, right? Life insurance matters a lot to pay for future needs if you died. Health insurance matters a lot just to protect you from this you know, catastrophically expensive healthcare system that we have in the US. And then the final part is this disability insurance idea that you have a lot of time yet to work and you are probably into a career that is starting to pay you well and you are starting to think about how you can scale that income up, disability can really set that back. So you want to make sure you have some protection in place for that as well. Yeah. And really look at the options that you have available specifically for health, vision, and dental. You might not need, if your teeth are in great shape, to have that super premium dental coverage that you would pay a lot more for out of your paychecks. Um, So take a peek at those options, whether you have kids or not, see what's going to work best for yourself and or your family. And, uh, Don't pay for additional coverages that you don't actually need. Make sure you have that trifecta, though, if it's available to you, especially through your employer-sponsored plans. 
those basic coverages can go a really long way. Going back to this specifically with disability, because if you were to become disabled, the disability coverage would, of course, provide you some income, but then you would probably also need to rely on that health insurance to uh, assist with your health care and coverage needs. And then here's another one I've seen at some employers that you may have, but of course, there's always this idea of student loans being a big burden, having this high cost of repaying the cost of your education. There are some employers that will do matching contributions to student loan repayment. And so if that's available, even if it's a small amount, you know, I've, I've seen it $100, $150 a month, that is still free money. Uh, strike while the iron is hot. Take advantage of that now that student loan repayments have, of course, come back. Yeah. And speaking of student loans, let's talk about Gen Z a little bit because our older Gen Zers are hitting age 26. Maybe they have just graduated with their master's degree or switching out of their parents' insurance onto their own because they have their own career started at this point. So yeah, maybe you are making the decision as to what employee benefits should you take so that you can keep your costs there low and get the majority of your paycheck into your checking account so you can take care of other things like those student loans. Another thing that you may have to start paying for is your health insurance. Or maybe you are still on your parents' plan, but you have started your own career and you have the opportunity to have dual insurance. One quick note there, put the better plan as your primary insurance. More is going to go through there, more is going to be covered, and then use the plan with less coverage as your secondary insurance. All your claims run through both, and hopefully you save a few extra dollars by having that secondary or supplemental health insurance coverage. The very pragmatic approach to that. And also keep in mind that this is where you will still be eligible for your parents' coverage at this point, but that will be changing at some point in the not too distant future. So understanding how your available benefits or, you know, if it isn't a work perk here, if you are spending your young adult time traveling to seeing the world, whatever it may be, you may find, for example, either an Affordable Care Act plan or just making sure that you're adequately covered through some travel insurance for your trip really is what helps support you as you age out of your, your parents' plan. But then know that that workplace plan is what's going to be the next uh, next avenue for you. Jason, and while we're on it, could you maybe tell us a little bit about the tax side of being on a marketplace plan, whether that's through Connect for Health Colorado or healthcare.gov? Yeah, there's a lot of cool things you can do with the premium tax credit that's available. Now, if you're eligible for a premium tax credit, and for example, you are sharing this coverage with a parent, and you're both covered by the plan, but you're filing your own tax return, um, you're able to allocate that health plan and, and the premium tax credit sort of however you want to, however you and the other people on that plan agree. And so I've seen some pretty dramatic, you'd almost want to say they're loopholes, but no, they're just as the law is written, differences in premium tax credit when assigning that benefit or those benefits to one of the taxpayers versus the other. And so really being on top of how that premium tax credit impacts the overall cost for a family can save a ton of money on health insurance for sure. That's great. And yeah, just a, a friendly reminder that if you are looking at going on a marketplace plan, the open enrollment for both Connect for Health Colorado and for healthcare.gov nationwide, that begins on November 1st. But going back to employee benefits, if you have an employer and are looking at that employee benefits guide, maybe for the first time as a Gen Zer, keep in mind that the basics there might be enough. That trifecta that Jason mentioned earlier of uh, the basic free 
employer covered life insurance, um, some healthcare coverage for yourself and some disability coverage for yourself. I know that for a lot of folks who are, you know, looking at this saying, okay, you know, I'm an adult here. Let me do the adult thing and just get all of the coverage, one of each. Um, you might not need some of those extra coverages and you may be paying more out of pocket for it, out of your paycheck for it when those dollars might be better spent elsewhere. And Gen Z, as you enter the workforce and start looking at offers from employers, and this really applies for everybody, but if you have equity comp come into the picture with that offer, negotiate that. You would want to negotiate every part of the compensation that you are being offered anyway, but especially equity comp, you may be able to squeeze a little bit more out of a good deal by asking for a faster vesting schedule or a bigger grant. And the employer may not see that as such a hit rather than paying you, for example, 10% more income. So you may be able to get a little more equity out of the deal if you are mindful of your equity comp offer. It's all about making the most of your employee benefits. And with that said, let's get into today's takeaways. Just like you said, take advantage of employee benefits and especially the freebies, the employer paid benefits. That's the free money. Take advantage of that. And make sure you balance everything. Take a look at the coverages that are offered and the ones of those that you need. Look at what you'd be paying in premiums for those coverages and then go back again and refresh in your mind what you actually need. What are some possibilities in your life that you would want some type of insurance coverage for? And then what are some of those extras that you might take advantage of that might be worth paying the additional premiums? But don't be the kid in the candy store, of course. Avoid paying for unnecessary coverage, right? If you don't need bells and the whistles and all of the various things, if you don't need the legal plan and the critical illness and the AD&D maxed out for whatever dollar amount, don't do it, right? Be prudent with your employee benefit decision-making as well. Yeah. All in all, be smart about choosing the employee benefits that are going to work best for you. And if you have an interesting one, we want to hear about it. Also, if you have an idea for a future podcast episode, reach out, email moneyandtaxes at podcast at fpfoco.com. You'll also find that email in the show notes. This episode was written and produced by me, Jason Spessiner. And me, Regina Neenan. I also edited the episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Jason Spessiner and Regina Neenan are investment advisor representatives of Financial Planning Fort Collins, a registered investment advisor. The information in this podcast is provided for general educational and entertainment purposes only. It may not apply to you or your specific circumstances and should not be considered financial, investment, or tax advice. 